0: Hey friends, and welcome to the Dreaming and the Hollow podcast. I'm your host, Diana Gonzalez Hansen, and I'm sharing this episode from my apothecary at Mountain Hollow Medicinals in our 1850s farmhouse in Crasbury, Vermont. Mountain Hollow is a heart-centered business which offers transformative healing and education on wellness and herbalism. We offer healing sessions, classes on wellness and crafting, Reiki certifications, and an apothecary filled with herbal medicines straight from our botanical gardens. To learn more about our offerings, please visit mountainhollowmedicinals.com. This podcast is created, recorded, edited, and published by me on Abenaki Land in Northern Vermont. On today's episode, I talk with Megan Mathers. Megan is a clinically trained herbalist, medicine maker, and conscious wildcrafter. She grew up in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, where she spent many years exploring the bioregions of Northern California, Nevada, and the Mountain West. She now resides on Abenaki land in northeastern Vermont with her family. Megan runs Heart, Hand, Land, an herbal apothecary that fills formulas for practitioners, provides educational opportunities, and is growing into so much more. Megan's goal with her community is to use herbalism to promote health and create stronger community, build trust in ourselves, our neighbors, and the natural world right outside our doors. I asked Megan to come on the show because I believe clinical herbalism is a really important thing to know and understand, have access to, and um, you know understand why it's so important in our communities along with um, the medical world and the naturopathic world as well. I spoke a little bit about it in this episode, how having a clinical herbalist and also a naturopathic doctor in my life has really helped me full circle in healing, whether it be you know minor health issues that come and go or larger health issues that are need to be worked on more long term. I've been able to go back and forth and have them collaborate together and that's been a really wonderful experience. So I wanted to also talk to Megan because of her um, education on herbalism and also the world of mushrooms um, and uh, her business model on the compounding apothecary, which is a really brilliant um, model where and she'll speak about this, of course, a lot better than I will but that um, she will be making tinctures and formulas for practitioners outside of her business um, that have clients um, and then have them shipped to um, those herbalist clients. And it's really exciting to learn about um, these new businesses and herbal apothecaries opening um, and be creating not just um, for you know, the specific town they might be in before the greater community and also supporting other practitioners and supporting more education uh, to our communities on uh, herbalism and and how we can properly work with plants and understand them on all levels to support our mental and physical wellness. So, so excited to have Megan on the show today. Um, Make sure to check out the show notes to connect with her more and learn about what she's doing. Um, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and talking with me. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so today we're going to talk about clinical herbalism, but I wanted to just check in with you first and to see how you are, um, with all the things going on at the moment. I don't know where to start but just like a quick check-in and uh, maybe where you're at.
1: Yeah, um, I'm doing okay. I'm visiting my family in California. Um, I live in Vermont but in, in Northern California right now and it's a, we're, a real treat. <laughs> um, the weather is so nice. Um, I, you know, it's a little bit bitter because I don't want the weather to be this nice here. It's, if it's 75 in February, I wonder what it's going to be like in July. Um, but it's really nice to be here and see my family and be in the sunshine. And yeah, I'm feeling the weight of the world like everyone right now, I'm sure. I'm also getting over a cold. So pardon my sniffles and stuffy nose sounding voice. But yeah, I'm doing good. I'm headed back to Vermont next week and got a lot coming up um, for my business, and I'm excited about that, but this has been a really nice break.
0: Great, Um, so before we jump in to talk about, you know, what clinical herbalism is, I'm just curious about, you know, your personal journey with getting to this place of being a clinical herbalist and opening up a clinic to offer to uh, the community in Vermont, and your and where in Vermont, I'm curious too, because I don't actually know where where you're based.
1: Um, Well, I was born in Northern California. Um, I grew up in the foothills of the Sierras, a town called Grass Valley in um, Nevada City. Um, And I then went to college in Reno, Nevada, um, which is where I got interested in herbalism. Um, I started taking classes Uh, which actually when I look back on it, were really amazing. Um, Through the community college, there was like a full herbalism course um, with these folks who had studied with Michael Moore out of the Southwest. So um, that program is not available anymore. And I'm just really grateful that I had the opportunity to do that. Um, So I did that, I did a few apprenticeships. I started getting more interested in herbalism. I traveled to different conferences and just tried to get my hands on everything involving herbalism that I could. Um, and that was in the early 2010s. And after quite a few years of studying, um, I wanted to know kind of what could be next for me. And I, um, gosh, I, I guess I, I learned like, oh, clinic, you can be a clinical herbalist. You can work with folks um, one-on-one, um, and so I did a big uh, cross-country road trip and I went to a few different schools across the country, um, North Carolina, Virginia, mainly on the East Coast. Um, I think I was ready to kind of branch out from the West Coast. Um, and I found VCAH in Montpelier, the Vermont Center for Integrative Herbalism. And it kind of checked all the boxes and had some family in Vermont. And I just kind of made a decision to go there. It took a couple years. Um, but I, I ended up there and yeah, that's a really brief um, description of my journey. Um, I now live in the Northeast Kingdom. I live in Sutton, which is about 20 minutes um, north of St Johnsbury. and um, so we're pretty close to Lake Willoughby and just kind of pretty central Northeast Kingdom. Um, and I'm opening a apothecary, which I'll talk more about, and clinic space, educational space, and garden—you know, anything I can fit in that has to do with herbalism—in Lyndonville, um, next to Northern Vermont University, which I think is now transitioning to Vermont State College. Um, I bought a building from them, um, which was a really interesting process, <laughs> and um, it came with some um, conditions to. Um, incorporate the college somehow in the the business I was running so that was a thought and something that definitely opened some new doors for potential I'm still figuring that out the building is being renovated and it's taking a lot of work (laughs) Um, but it's almost done and I'm hoping to have everything up and going by early spring and um, yeah so we'll see that's where I'm at (laughs)
0: That sounds amazing. And to be, uh, next to the college, I feel like is a really important location just because of what's happening in the younger generations in terms of like mental health. Um, so to have access to an apothecary with educational tools is a huge service to, to that place for sure.
1: Yeah. Even just, you know, things like classes, which I, as, um, sure so many know there's so many herbalists in vermont um but in our region specifically our pocket of the northeast kingdom there's really not a lot of exposure for folks um it's definitely one of the last up and coming areas um there's just there's definitely people around and there are some great herbalists but um there's not a lot of opportunities for them to teach there's not a lot of Um, facilities for them to teach in especially after COVID there was a lot of places that shut down and a lot of those um, platforms for people to teach and learn just kind of disappeared so I'm hoping this can kind of bring a resurgence to the area and give all the people who are doing cool things already a place to share those things and yeah the the college um, also is a great opportunity because Um, through the Johnson campus um, which is in northern central Vermont um, they have an integrative health program and so when they I believe when they transition to the Vermont state college um, I don't know situation (laughs) (laughs) for them Um, they will maybe have some more classes at the Lindenville campus so I'll be able to integrate that with them somehow and yeah there's just a lot of um, possibilities for potential there.
0: Yeah, it's a great program that they have and um, I agree with you I think there's such a lack of that in the Northeast Kingdom, there used to be maybe one or two places but again with COVID those things disappeared. Um, And it's really just been me, and I'm only open in the summer really for in person classes and inviting other teachers uh, to come and teach, Um, and it's also hard, it's been hard for me to find people to, to come and offer education to the community too, which is why I ended up doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it's a great platform, yeah. and I, you know, it makes me so grateful for the internet, because there have been so many, just since I was looking at different schools, the, the different programs that have opened up to folks because of the internet, and because of the virtual world we live in, has become, um, you know, it's astounding what is available to people now, and even VCIH is now offering their clinical program to students online because of COVID. So a lot of things have shifted. I think we've done a really good job adapting in the way we need to to keep herbalism alive. And, um, I, you know, I, mean, I actually think it's grown even more because of it. So,
0: yeah, I absolutely agree. <clears throat> it's been really interesting and wild and wonderful to observe. Um, so let's jump into clinical herbalism. And, um, Maybe you can talk to us about, you know, what it is and you know why it's important and why we need more clinical herbalists in our communities.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, so, like I said before, it's it's really just one-on-one work with an herbalist, um, and that's a really like simple way to say it. But I I think especially in this day and age of like mass information available to us at our fingertips. Um, it becomes more and more important to have more thorough understanding and just a little more guidance as to what herbs can do for us. You know, I, um, I this is like random story was, I was up in Ashland, Oregon, visiting a friend at Hot Springs, and I heard these folks talking about um, anti-virus plants. They were, one woman asked, well, how do I find out plants are integral? And the woman just said, "Well, you can just ask Google." <laughs> it's like maybe its like so cool and also potentially so dangerous. <laughs> like to just simply go on and pop into Google. Like, tell me these antiviral herbs um, without any, you know, consideration around like contraindications with medicine you might be taking and potential like energetic. Con- conflicting patterns. And so I, it's just like an example. And I'm sure we're all aware of just how much information is out there and how hard it is to really bring into our own personal experience and use herbs in the way that are is really suitable for us. So as a clinical herbalist, um, I work one-on-one with people. Um, we as herbalists work one-on-one with people and we're really client-centered. So Um, being really adaptable to what the client needs, what the client's conditions are, Um, really focusing on the energetic picture, the constitutional picture of the client to make sure that the herbs they're using are appropriate for them. Um, You know, because you would be amazed at how many people are like, I was told to take turmeric for my arthritis. And it's like, well, your your arthritis is actually really hot and dry and turmeric might be the worst herb you could take Um, alone to, to treat your, you know, work with your arthritic symptoms. So um, there's a lot of nuances. There's a lot of intricacies and clinical herbalists spend a lot of time uh, learning all of those and working with different people, practicing a lot to really come up with a method for them that helps clients really step into their own with herbs. And a lot of clinical herbalists will make custom formulas for clients, but they're also helping educate and support the clients in finding ways in which herbs can work best for them, whether that's gardening their own plants, going and finding their own plants. Um, so we're basically serving as one-on-one consultants to really help someone step into their power with herbs. And I'm just comfortable in knowing that they're, they're making the right choices and having like a very educated, supportive person to, just reassure that, like, yes, you have me for any questions you have, any safety concerns you have. Um, so yeah, that's a um, kind of an all over the place description of a clinical herbalist, and I could definitely go over like what an intake looks like if that would be helpful. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing I guess you could call it career to choose. Um, it's an amazing opportunity to help people connect with plants and yeah, so I've seen some real magic happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you want to uh, just take us through what, um, what an intake would look like, uh, I think that'd be great. Cause I think there's a lot of people that, uh, don't understand fully like the depth that goes into this and that it's not just, you know, you walking in and making a tea or something. It's like a real in-depth intake, uh, thing that you do in terms of like pulse and, and, you know, checking on all of these parts of the body to understand fully this like individual complex, um, person. So yeah, if you want to just take us through that, that'd be great.
1: Yeah. So, um, intakes for me personally, um, in my practice, they usually take about two hours, I, you know, I want to say one and a half to two, but it's always two, um, really, when we're really getting into it, Um, and start um, with a client filling out some paperwork, just to kind of go over, um, just to give them the time to sit down and assess, like, what really is going on for them, what are their primary concerns, what are some things that have been coming up, some patterns they've been noticing, um, and just general health history, family history, anything that feels relevant, um, especially things that feel relevant that you would like talk to your doctor about, except typically in like a doctor appointment, you don't talk about any of these things. It's very like brushed over or stays in your paperwork, never gets brought into conversation. So um, the client takes the time to fill out the paperwork and um, you know really consider what they're coming to see Blitz for. Um, we then do a, so the presentation begins, and we talk about um, our work together, what our goals are. Um, I go over some um, logistical things like how herbalists don't diagnose or treat anything. We support the body, um, we support the client and education, um, just kind of the like legality spiel of it. And um, just our, like I said, goals, in working together and what our our mission is gonna be together. Um, And then typically open with um, primary, we talk about the client's primary concerns. Um, They usually list about three, depending on what's going on for them. So I ask really in-depth questions about um, the primary concerns they've listed. And then we go over um, the body systems individually. So, depending on what their primary concerns are, say that someone's dealing with sleep issues, um, maybe some digestive issues, and possibly some like cardiovascular issues. We'll dive really deep into those um, body systems to kind of parse out like what are some pattern patterns that are going on? What are some predominant symptoms that are going on? Um, Just some more questions to gauge like energetically, what may be going on. Um, And then we really go into every other body system there is. So like musculoskeletal, um, digestive, hormonal, generative, um, pretty much everything that's going on with the body. And we'll often find that primary concerns while they seem to have a lot to do with one specific system, there are signs that show up in other parts of the body. And that's kind of like where the education really comes into play because you start to learn, depending on what energetic system you use, I use a lot of Chinese five-phase theory, but you start to learn different connections between each system and how, you know, if someone's experiencing, um, let's say like, liver deficiency you know they're, they're feeling like after they eat heavy fats they're like not feeling so well um and for some reason they're waking up every night from th- you know midnight to 3am it's like well that's actually the liver hour so like your disturbed sleep could be connected to like potential liver imbalance so just little things like that are actually huge clues in the puzzle um, and it takes practice and it takes a lot of um just knowing how people's bodies work and how different constitutions in different ways can be really helpful Um, so you're playing a bit of a matchmaker when you're working with someone Um, and then we kind of go over what the what the client is feeling in terms of what herbs would be supportive what type what types of herbs would be supportive you know whether they like to drink teas or prefer tinctures, um, we go over that. And then, um, yeah, I used to do pulses, but now that COVID is around, um, it's pretty much just tongue analysis. So I look at people's tongues and the tongue just kind of mirrors back what we've talked about. Um, It can check boxes of like, oh yes, this makes sense. This pattern is showing up. Or it can be like, huh, I didn't see this dryness pattern in the, the way I thought I would based on this tongue. So it's just a kind of like a roadmap. map. <clears throat> I like to do it at the end. It's kind of just like a, after I've gone through everything, it is just a, um, I don't know. It just kind of reassures going on in the person or gives me some insight and clues into, into their picture. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, that usually takes about two hours, and it's a very thorough um, process. Most people are like, wow, no one has ever asked me these questions before, or wow, I've never thought about my body in this way. Like, I've never had this experience at a doctor, even a naturopath. So it's a very unique and enriching experience for many folks, and I love doing it. Um, Usually the client loves doing it. it. It really pulls us into our body and puts us in the presence with like what's going on and it helps everyone to just kind of make the connections that weren't being made before. So, um, then we close things up and I spend about two to three hours working on this soap, which is, um, it's actually a Western medicine term, but, um, it stands for, and I don't know if I can pull this off my brain right now because it's automotive. Um, it's it's basically an observation sheet that um, helps me organize the material or organize the information I've gotten from the client and kind of um, pull in the observations and more like direct info from them, like diagnoses and different. Um, you know tests or surgeries they've had and then my assessments energetic assessments and then kind of the procedures i'm going to follow so um yeah it's it's very helpful and it, it it's such a thorough way to um kind of keep track of the client and doing it really ensures that like i'm giving them the most time i can and like a you know um, observance that I can, and it, it's really a due diligence to the client, and um, and then you just reference the soaps as you s- move forward with the clients. You you update their soaps every time you have a follow up, um, and it, you know just really helps keep track of what formulas you're giving folks, and yeah, that's that's a bit of the process. So then, um, if if people decide to get herbs from me, I will fill their formulas. Um, whether it's to your book or herbs, or it will support them to find herbs on their own or come up with um, their own, you know, whether they're wildcrafting or gardening their own herbs um, or just simple food suggestions. You know, it, it really varies client to client and what the client needs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important to have that <clears throat> in-depth kind of clinical research on the person's constitution. and. And understand yeah. that so that you can properly align them with the plants that are gonna <clears throat> that are gonna help them through something, whether it's physical or mental. Um, I find that there's been things that come up in my health where clinical herbalism can really come into play and really offer a solution and healing. Um, like in particular UTIs, I found that. Um, herbal tinctures for me, in particular for UTIs, have actually helped heal that part of the body. Um, And that's not to say for everyone, but, and then there's other things where I need my naturopath for, but having them both together creates this like beautiful full circle kind of healing where even you have the, the plants that are, you know, recommended by your clinical herbalist that either match up with what your naturopath is saying as well, or maybe slightly different. And then there's some adjustment that can be made um, that just kind of perfects the the ingredients. So it's really, really
1: great. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we, I'm not against Western medicine. I think herbalism can work and does work hand in hand with it. Um, We kind of, like you said, complete this like greater um, whole picture. And, you know, I, that's the other part of going to clinical herbalism school is that you become really educated on, on how to um, work with contraindications, with medicines, um, how to read Western tests. So different diagnostics. You know, I work a lot with folks who deal with thyroid disease and cardiovascular disease, diabetes. So it's, it's really learning how to integrate herbalism with the lifestyle that the person is already living. And then also helping them shift in any ways that they they want to shift in, you know? So if they want to wean off of a specific medication, how can we support them that way? Um, yeah, it, it, it's a really integrative way of approaching the body and, um, you know, never like wanting to replace or push out someone's doctor or naturopath. Um, we really try to work together and Um, usually doctors and naturopaths especially naturopaths of course you know because they also work with herbs but all modalities like seem to do pretty well together and often like will cooperate together I haven't had um, I haven't had a lot of experience working with doctors but I've definitely had a lot of doctors um, who my clients check in with, say like, wow, you've gotten a lot better. Is there like something that's going, they're like, well, yeah, I'm going to see this clinical herbalist. And, and the doctors are like, oh, this is amazing. Can I like have her contact information to them re- refer other clients? And that's, you know, that's all we could hope for is just to have that acceptance and trust from um, the Western, the Western eye. To- <laughs> yeah. The
0: collaboration is key. And when there's proof of yeah. like the client feeling better, I think that that's fundamental for for folks in the medical world to say, oh, hey, this is, this is done really properly, this is working, and yeah, yeah, it's really good.
1: Yeah, and especially with, like, symptom support, so, you know, I, I, of course, never diagnose and never treat, never prescribe something to anyone, it's, um, you know, even if someone comes to me with a pretty intimidating and um overwhelming diagnosis of something, it's, it's little things like support, you know, like, they like to eat more. It's like, well, here we can really help your body, like be prepared and um, feeling like it wants that. And so herbs can just be so supportive in those small ways. And those small little things can actually be life-changing for some people. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we can, and we're really there for the client in any way that they need. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's really fun. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, And a lot of work. It's definitely like you know it's hard to get your name out there it's hard to have people follow up you know some i've seen so many people who come one time and um never fill their herbs and, and that's just like a part of it i think there's so many options for folks out there at this point and i i don't blame them i i totally understand it's overwhelming to take on new things so i try to be patient with people and and support them in the best way i can
0: yeah um, i think it's also a mental health to like finding the energy because with herbal work and and it's it's like a a daily thing or twice a daily thing it's something you really need to put energy into um and and so you you've got to do your part of the work and if you're suffering in any way mentally whether it just be like depression or anxiety or something i think it seems, you know, hard for folks to, it, or there's like a curve to get in the rhythm yeah. in medicine. And then, um, but once people feel the effects and like get into the curve and like, you know, understand the plant that they're working with a little bit more then it becomes like such a liberating moment. It's like, oh, maybe I can, wean off, wean down on my blood pressure medication, because I'm working with a plant that's like really supporting my cardiovascular system. Um, so it, it's tricky. <laughs> it really is.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I mean, you know, every clinical herbalist is different. I tend to start really simple. Um, if folks are down for a tincture, I give them a tincture. I don't, um, I don't try to put too much on them at once. I, you know, really gauging the client, where the client's coming from. If, you know, if they've been working with herbs for a while, have a lot of familiarity with preparing medicine and, and preparing their, you know, how they take their medicine, it, that's a different story. But a lot of times, I'll, you know, start people on a single tincture, um, a single formula, so not just a single herb, but a blend of herbs, and and just see where it goes from there. And, and usually it kind of, you know, they find that easy, taking the the five mils twice a day, morning and evening, you know, and then from there they're like, I'm starting to see a difference, and I want to learn how to incorporate more things. So, it, yeah, it really varies herbalist to herbalist, and I, you know, I have like a pretty big breadth of herbalists who I could recommend folks to based on just what they're looking for, and and we're all quite different. So, yeah, it, it's really, um, it's just a unique and fun way for people to start learning about their body and their. And, constitution their energetic picture and then see what works best for them Mm -hmm. so and with all that said I'm wondering now
0: if um I can ask you you know like just in the now moment like with all of the things going on in the world across the globe around us that are like really big really bad really intense and I have absolutely no doubt that most of the collective is feeling a sense of panic or that you know, their regular anxiety has heightened, or maybe they're feeling some lack of sleep because the anxiety is, heightened. you know, there's all these things happening. I'm just wondering if there's a few plants or even just one that like pops up for you as like a support during these times.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many, but mm-hmm. and it's... <laughs> funny like um with being a clinical herbalist it's like well, i don't want to just like suggest one plant to an entire group of people like what it depends on their energetic constant wow. you, you almost get <laughs> a little more like pigeonhole there like mm-hmm. um no but there's so many and i i you know at this point it's really comes for me it's it's so important to nourish the heart and really support that energy because the heart is such a, a center space of like compassion and care and understanding and empathy. And and so I think a lot about heart medicine. I think a lot about how our hearts are breaking in a lot of ways. Our emotional heart is is being repressed and, and just really shook up. So I always reach for things like Linden, Hawthorne. Um I yeah, I love Linden. I feel like Linden is such a grief, um, such a grief. It's really good for that breaking part that just can't seem to get ahead. It's like a good mender. Um, I love that it's mucilaginous and cooling. So it's like really nourishing to um, just the like agitation and discomfort that comes with feeling you know, the weight of the world. It's a great nervine, it's a great sleep plant. Um, I also just love the way Linden tastes and smells. It kind of has like a earthy patchouli vibe to it. I remember like, you know, many years ago, learning about Linden and making Linden tea and just thinking like, it kind of smells like Nag Champa or like, <laughs> um, it, it just has like an incense like very spiritual um, essence to it. And yet it comes from like, a you know, giant, beautiful tree that grows abundantly through our region especially in in Vermont um and we actually don't have the the typical linden. we have basswood but still all the same medicine we're actually quite larger easier to harvest um yeah linden is one hawthorn of course another one especially with boundaries and just preserving that heart space and um you know with the thorns and it also goes uh, a bit into the underworld, so it helps us feel okay with exploring those darker thoughts and darker parts of ourselves and the dark world around us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then like this, um, you know, it, just really nourishing the body with things like adaptogens. So, um, ashwagandha some people really like tulsi i'm not a big tulsi person i love tulsi for my clients but i find it quite stimulating um and then um one of my favorite herbs especially for like assimilating and transforming just the information of the world um is wood betony which is also a really great nervine and it's quite aromatic. really good for mental chatter and kind of like that stimulating energy that keeps you awake and helps quell that. Um, A fellow herbalist, um, Ariel Brackett, has a really great um, monograph um, on that that we can share. Um, And yeah, so many, but I I think I'd say Lyndon at this point, but this is like... This like meeting point of chaos and terror. <laughs> we yeah, all feel. Yeah. Um, I've been really, really relying on Linden. Yeah,
0: yeah. Lyndon's been coming in for me too. And why I don't have one or two Linden trees is beyond me. I really don't know what's taken me so long <laughs> to do. Yeah, I, have, I, mean, I have a neighbor who has a really large one, and it's just so beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's it's there. They're such like keepers of that field to forest edge. I, I always find them like along the edges of the forest. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, even the leaves, like if if you miss the bracts and that season has gone by, the leaves are still like so cooling and mucilaginous. And while they don't have a lot of the like, you know, polliny floral scent of the bracts they're still amazing medicine so and sometimes the bracts aren't really reachable you have to like get a ladder and get up mm-hmm. in the tree and the leaves are right there so
0: yeah beautiful and what about um mushrooms i know that i especially lately i've been working with mushrooms every day whether it be you know reishi or lion's mane and powder form or um i have chaga that i boil down um i just find that because, you know, for me personally, I'm working on a nervous system that has been, you know, in that automatic sort of fright flight mode most of my life, um, mm-hmm. starting early on in childhood, I'm just trying to really teach that muscle memory or that nervous system to kind of like rewire um, and, sh- and start to be more resilient and more flexible and not like so, so tight. So, um, I find that those have been really helpful for me too like in a smoothie or making a tea um and there's a, or or just putting a chunk of reishi and soup
1: uh,
0: so just curious what your thoughts are with that too
1: yeah i really love mushrooms because i feel like mushrooms oftentimes are an, an introductory for folks to get into herbalism you know because they kind of cross the bridge between like foraging you know when people start to get into foraging and wildcrafting and finding their own food um mushrooms are kind of the first thing that are like oh i see mushrooms everywhere like i want to learn more about what these mushrooms are um i i can only really speak to vermont because vermont is where i learned the most about mushrooms we definitely have an abundance of mushrooms um but you know there's there's so many mushrooms in our forest we have reishi and lion's mane chaga Birch polypore, red belted polypore. There's oysters. You know, there's just so many mushrooms to learn and explore. And you know, some of them are edible, some of them are medicinal, some of them are both. Um, but mushrooms are just so great because when you have ac- to access to wildcrafting them, it really builds a relationship with the forest. Um, you know, like chaga, it's endangered. Its its habitat is endangered. I think um, a lot of people see chaga in the Vermont forest and they're like, how is this even possible? It's literally everywhere. (laughs) It's it's actually like, in most regions of Vermont, I find it pretty hard to find. Um, In the Northeast Kingdom, it's quite abundant. Again, like there's a lot of wild land still in the Northeast portion of Vermont. And, um, you know, it gives Chaga the ability to thrive. Um, But in other parts of the country, especially like Southern New England into like the Great Lakes region, it's it's becoming endangered because it's it's being it's it's not just the chaga is being harvested; it's environment is being harvested. So, uh, just a side note there. But um, you really come into relationship with the land when learning about mushrooms, and you know they're pretty they're pretty easy to incorporate into life, which is nice. Um, like you said, you can add powders. There's some really amazing. Um, supplement mushroom supplements available. You can just simply dehydrate them and add them to soups and broths and different teas, decoctions. And they're just such a great transformative medicine. You know, they're super supportive for the nervous system, for the immune system. Um, I think they have a lot of spiritual lessons in, you know, entwined in them. Um, Just the like concept of mycology and the expansiveness of mycological, net, my, mycological networks that we don't fully understand yet. You know, I think mushrooms, and I'm definitely not the one to, <laughs> to elaborate on this, but I do think mushrooms like are the future in so many ways. We have so much to learn from them. Um, but just as like a general day-to-day tonic, day-to-day support, they're, they're just amazing medicine that, that really cross that medicine to food. Um, know i don't want to call it a boundary because it's not it is one of the same but um they're just really you can really incorporate them in many ways and yeah they're just really helpful for the body um really supportive to our endocrine system to helping us adapt to and evolve our response to stress um and then they're also like a really fun rabbit hole for learning how to make more advanced medicines. So you can get into like different preparation medicines, uh, methods, you know, there's the double extraction, which, you know, a lot of people have their own ways of doing it. I have mine. Um, happy to, to talk about that. But it's, it's just like a, a new, like I feel like mushrooms are a new fun avenue for herbalists to like get more into and learn more about. And um, I think most herbalists are pretty content with dorking out on new plant possibilities. So yay, mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it seems like the mushroom um, medicine making is like just a a more layered process than just with plants. So it's like a a kind of a different kind of expansion in the brain to, at least for me, (laughs) Um, but also really interesting and scientific too. And I wanted to ask you too, because I've never been able to ask this question and it's, some, it's information I just simply don't have, you know, the reishi that I work with typically comes from like mountain rose herbs and it's not local. Right. Yeah. So, the, but I see it all the time in our forests, like particularly uh, in the very general area where I live, um, it's everywhere. And is that, uh, species of reishi, is that medicinal
1: as well? Yeah, so the reishi you get from um, m- larger herb distributors is um, Ganoderma lucidum, which comes from China, uh, which is like the classic reishi. Um, it's the most common in commerce, but there are, in New England, there's Ganoderma suge, um, which it's, you know, also reishi. It, it grows like reishi. It looks like reishi. Um, and yeah, it's 100% interchangeable. Well, I you know, I'm not so in tune with it that I could tell you like energetic differences, but I, it's an immune modulator. It's an adaptogen. It's antiviral. It's, you know, it's got all of the same qualities. It, In spirit, it really feels the same. You know, it's got like that really rounded, um, beautiful orange ombre, like <laughs> growth. The tsuge in Vermont is edible. The tips um, when they're young. So Um, I try not to do this too much because I want the mushroom to grow into its full self and spore out, but right before it becomes like hardened on the edges, you can uh, cut away the the white soft, like spongy edges and stir fry those up. And it's actually one of my favorite um, edible ways to eat mushrooms. Like there's so many good mushrooms. And I actually think the tips of reishi are so delicious
0: choice
1: um, so say, the Russian community um but yeah they're totally interchangeable and um they are abundant there's so many on the hemlock forests here and especially down in southern New England where the hemlocks have um succumbed to uh the the woolly there's a, a fungus that is taking over the hemlocks and we haven't cool. really hit our region yet um but just like the ash borer it's inevitable that's frustrating but yeah reishi is abundant and um it is totally interchangeable the lucidum and the suge.
0: amazing thank you so much for clarifying that that's just something that has irked me and uh, many people around me
1: i think who would be listening and just be like oh yes finally <laughs> yeah hard because yeah the lucidum has like a rich history in chinese medicine and so you know it's easy to get hung up on like oh well and also like lucidum is like light and energy and it just has like a very mystical name but yes the suge is just as good of medicine in my book and, and, and it's a, it's local and abundant so it's so fun to harvest and collect your own reishi and then some say that the red belted polypore which is um i actually don't know its latin name i don't I do harvest it, but I don't use it in my in clinic at all. Um, it's more just like a, one of those soup mushrooms or like just put them all in, <laughs> put them in the broth and we'll enjoy it that way. Um, a lot of folks out West where there is also red belted polypore use it similarly to reishi. And then I know there's various reishis um, in like te- the Texas region. And um, so, yeah, I, I could definitely use a lesson on like reishi diversity and, and how, how how it shows up across the country and, and different forms of, of reishi and species. So lots to learn about mushrooms. It, it's a whole other incredible world that I've only, you know, dived
0: into just enough to, to be able to use for myself, but it just seems like so little. It just seems like it's such a deep, magical place to just focus on alone. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And that's why I I really, like I said earlier, I feel like mushrooms is a really good gateway into herbalism because it is, it really acquaints you with the forest around you and kind of teaches you, you know, what mushrooms are growing in your area and and then, you know, what herbs are also specific to your bioregions. So just getting, um, you know, familiar with the place that you occupy and um, all the magical things growing there and or medicine. Yeah, so
0: you also mentioned um, a compounding apothecary, and I just wanted to ask you to sort of share what that is and if if it's um, different from just an apothecary or who it serves, maybe why it's important.
1: Yeah, so that's actually, um, aside from my, the business I run now, Heart Hand Land, um, it's, its main function is to serve as a compounding apothecary. Which, for those who don't know, and they're not so common these days, um, is what traditionally was an apothecary, um, what is now considered a pharmacy. Um, We make all of our own tinctures. Um, I'd say like 92% of our tinctures are all made in house. Um, And we fill formulas for other practitioners. So we get their formulas and we fill them and we ship them to their clients so it's an evolving business I started it at the beginning of 2021 I've had it as my like you know when you like you know what you want to do but you don't quite know what that is like you can feel it and you have some idea but it doesn't really like it doesn't quite exist yet as as a thing and so this this has been this business for a long time in my mind I think of always kind of pictured myself running an apothecary. I I was really resistant to like a retail space. So I was like, what is this thing that's like coming? Like, I don't want to own a shop. I don't want to like have customers come in, but I want to like serve people through herbalism. I want to help practitioners like make their practice more sustainable and like possible. And so this just like manifested and um, I've been working on it for a while, but I officially started and uh, th- uh, yeah, at the start of 2021. So, um, i it's a learning curve. I'm I'm only working with a handful of herbalists right now, um, but that keeps me quite busy. You know, it's basically they, like I said, they send their formulas in. I fill them, send them to their clients. I'm working on new systems for how to do that. So there's a really amazing program um, started by this guy in Toronto called Dispensary Tree and it's specifically built for um, apothecaries to fill formulas. So it's, it's a TCM program. So he started it because filling Chinese formulas is much more complicated. They've got tinctures, they've got granules, they've got raw herbs. They have a lot of different preparation methods. Um, but for me, it's just um, extracts, tinctures, powders, and bulk herbs. So the practitioner can submit, you know, they want two tinctures and a tea and a powder formula for this client. So we fill those and send them out. Um, But dispensary tree helps um, organize all that information. It helps um, make it more streamlined for the practitioners. The practitioners can create an account, fill their formulas through there, have it all tracked and easy access. Um, So I'm integrating that program right now. Um, So if anyone here is listening (laughs) that is a clinical herbalist or becoming a clinical herbalist, Um, I'm, yeah, I'm looking for more folks to use the service to kind of, um, test run the service and, um, that I'm on a break right now because I've been in California, but we, it will be up and running the first week of March, um, again, and then I'll integrate dispensary tree, um, at the end of March. So I won't talk too much about that because it's not really applicable to everyone, but, um, yeah, I really love the work. I love making teachers. I love making medicine. I love helping clinical herbalists, um, find ways to make being clinical herbalists more accessible because is a very, it's a lot, it's a lot of work to juggle clients, juggle finding clients, juggle seeing clients, and then also, um, filling formulas for clients, you know, I try to keep a really extensive um, apothecary available to the practitioners so that when they're like, I have the formula in mind, it feels like the perfect formula. I don't have four of the seven herbs. It's like, well, we've got you. Like, um, So just filling the gaps for yeah. clinical herbalists in the ways that we can. And then a lot of folks coming out of school that don't have like a full apothecary that want to keep seeing clients, um, finding ways to keep that accessible for them. So it's a new business. It's a, um, it's an experiment that I (laughs) am sinking my time into, and it feels really worth it.
0: It's really brilliant. And I, I'd noticed, you know, with COVID coming in and the pandemic, like there was sort of lack of access to herbs and, uh, creating formulas, unless of course, you had this big herbal garden of your own, which a lot of people just don't. Um, and even my naturopathic doctor was frustrated at her lack of being able to access certain herbs uh, that she needed to create tinctures for her clients. So it's actually like such a brilliant um, model for a lot of not just herbalists, but also I think naturopaths who who rely yeah. on tinctures too that um, don't I can't always keep them in stock, but definitely want their clients to access them. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, it's, um, yeah, and we're not specifically just for herbalists. You know, it's any practitioner in any form that uses herbs in that way. Um, yeah, supply has been an issue. It hasn't been an issue because, well, it's, yeah, it hasn't been a huge issue for us because we are only working with a select handful of herbalists right now. Um, but I'm, I've gotten, a you know, in the last year, I've learned a lot as to how to properly supply herbs, how to source them, Um, what herbs that we're gonna grow that oftentimes um, become hard to find on the market at specific times of the year. So like violet, I don't think has been available to folks over like mainstream commerce since like COVID started. So it's like, okay, violet tincture, like bulk violet, like how can we source that? Um, It's a lot harder to provide bulk herbs on our own. So um, it's easy. I don't know. It's not easy. It's it's possible for me to make tinctures from many things that I wildcraft from my land and am able to buy from local farms. So we're really trying to source as much as we can from Vermont. Um but then there's herbs that are, you know, are available to grow in Vermont that aren't being grown on a large scale. So investing um, either our time and our farming resources into growing those herbs or reaching out to other farmers to to commission them to grow those herbs so things like shisandra and codenopsis so things that grow um, well in our area but aren't being grown at a bulk scale but are actually quite popular herbs like especially codenopsis it's such a popular herb right now and it's not it's only available like through mainstream herbal re- retailers like Mountain Rose and Pacific Botanicals. And it does so well in Vermont. So, you know, we're talking with other farmers, like how, you know, is it possible for you to grow this bulk amount of Codenopsis to get through the season, get other herbalists through the season. Um, so getting creative and just like finding ways that we can really make it happen in Vermont and throughout New England, especially Northern New England um but yeah and then there's just like making our own tinctures is it's just such a lifesaver like accessing the raw herbs and making them ourselves saves so much money we get perfect you know control over everything that we do and we're not having to buy from um other companies that also make extracts that we don't necessarily know like that's not to say they're not amazing extracts but Um, there's just something about making the medicine yourself and we've you know I feel really um, experienced and I've made a lot of medicine over the years so I feel like I've really honed in on that and it made it my craft.
0: Yeah absolutely yeah and I, I like that there seems to be a lot of herbalists and herb growers kind of slowly building and coming together and creating this community to make it work locally and I just feel so good about that that just is so necessary on a lot of levels so it's good to hear that That's
1: special and it's great because there's room for everyone you know it's not everyone is going to want to grow a root like Mm codonopsis not everyone's going to want to have to build the infrastructure to grow schizandra but like some people are so fascinated and committed to it so it's Mm -hmm. there really is just um there's room for everyone and and I think it's you know, I, I try not to rely on herbs that are grown, especially overseas in that with Chinese medicine, you know, I don't source, I don't, I don't supply a TCM apothecary. I don't, um, have a lot of the more obscure, what we perceive to be obscure Chinese herbs. And that's just because it's not in my scope of practice. And a lot of the practitioners I work with also don't. Um, but there are some that are becoming more popular, like codenopsis and chisandra, like I mentioned, and, Mm -hmm. and don shun and um that that need to be grown in america and that need to come to a region our region to help supply um the herbalists that use them and and i think you know it's just kind of like educating and informing people on like hey these herbs are super popular and you have a amazing herb farm that could easily grow them Um, and, and so just shifting that market a little bit and breaking our dependency on getting herbs from china which isn't to say that like there aren't people doing amazing work in china and throughout asia growing these herbs and like ensuring that they're organic ensuring that they're not um contaminated with pesticides but you know we're we're living in the more globalized world that definitely needs to become a little more hyper local so
0: yeah absolutely yeah um So there's so much to talk about just around all of these things and I think um, you've touched on so many incredible points and shares about this and I really appreciate all of that, um, because it's amazing. But for folks who are listening and want to, you know, learn more about uh, what you do here in Vermont and um, what the clinic offers and and just maybe even schedule something with you once you're back in Vermont, um, where would they go to find you or even just to follow you to keep up with, with what you're offering?
1: Yeah, so everything's on my website, which is hearthandland.com. And um, I've really tried to root the business as an accessible space for people just starting on herbalism, to people who are clinical practitioners. So from there to there and everything in between. So offering classes, um, beginner classes, intermediate classes, more advanced classes, um, working with the clinical herbalist and then also providing the resources for clinical herbalists to keep being clinical herbalists. So um, there's that little spiel. And um, I also have Instagram, which is heart.land.hand. Admittedly I've not I'm taking I've been on like a six month break from Instagram. I, I do check and update it as much as I can. Um, and I you know, because I don't have the building, it's not done yet. I feel like I just haven't had a lot to post about, but everything and anything will be there. Um, and I you know I'm really responsive to emails and there's full cons- there's a consultation page with all the information on how to book cost, um, what the procedure is with um, live scheduling at the bottom. There's information on the apothecary for both practitioners and for clients. Um, There's some information about the apothecary, our mission. Um, You can also shop for single extracts through the apothecary website. Um, Yeah, so it's all on the website and there's links to social media on there as well. And we do have a newsletter. It's been on hold while the building's being finished, um, but it will be much more active come spring.
0: Yeah, this all sounds so amazing. I'm really excited to um, hopefully at some point get over there when everything's up and running and just have a visit.
1: <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have like, you know, I, I don't have the capacity right now to teach and do all that I'm doing. So I'm really looking for other folks who are just looking for maybe a new space or a space to teach a new community to reach out to. So yeah, yes, if you're yeah. local area. If you're not from the area and you want to teach in Vermont, reach out. i we have an amazing classroom space, amazing um, outdoor area. It's yeah, I'm really excited. It's almost unbelievable. It's been like a li- you know, a lifetime as a little herbalist, being like someday I want to have this space, and now it's coming to to be. So it's surreal.
0: So exciting. I'm so glad you're doing it, and it's just going to expand and in, into the community and beyond in ways that you never imagined. Believe me, you know, I've experienced that here in this funny little corner in the middle of nowhere.
1: <laughs> so corner, so thank you. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's necessary. So thank you for everything you're doing and for coming onto the show and sharing such amazing information. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. I hope I was, um, I haven't like, I've been on vacation. Well, you know, I've been visiting my family. So I'm really talked about herbalism in a while so if it wasn't just like blah 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 it's so exciting
0: yeah no it's It's within you you. (laughs) thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the dreaming in the hollow podcast be sure to check out the show notes to learn how to connect to our wonderful guests of the podcast as well as find additional relevant resources on the topics we discuss. Learn more about what I do at Mountain Hollow Medicinals here in Craftsbury, Vermont at mountainhollowmedicinals.com. Here at Mountain Hollow we offer Reiki certifications, one-on-one healing sessions, mindset coaching, an herbal apothecary filled with magic and wonderful products to support you on your journey. To support this podcast, uh, please leave a review, subscribe, or leave a rating on whatever podcast platform that you tune into, whether it be Apple or Spotify or any of the others. We welcome testimonials as well. And if not, no worries, just enjoy the podcast and we're so happy to share these amazing discussions with you in hopes to empower you to have more options and access to things to make healthier decisions for your mental health and physical health and spiritual health. Thank you so much for tuning in. Love to you all.